The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So today I'd like to talk about one of the core virtues, or core practices and attitudes and kind of realizations of Buddhism, and that is generosity. And in talking about generosity, I would like to talk about it in three areas. That of giving, that of gift, and that of generosity. And if we begin by giving, there's many ways of giving. We can give freely and we can give expectingly or demandingly or obligatorily. There's a whole range of giving. But giving in in all its forms uh, is really integral to what human beings, how they are and how we live. And our societies, our communities, our families often are, are held together in a network of giving that without people giving of themselves, giving, supporting, there probably be very little real community and connection anywhere we go. I was really struck as I was raising children here in Redwood City that uh, my kids participated in all kinds of uh, uh, sports, soccer and baseball mostly, basketball. And uh, there was a whole bunch of parents who volunteered their times to be coaches, to be managers of the teams and set things up and all kinds of things. And I was struck that this was a really important part and valuable part of my children's upbringing, my children's upbringing to be able to be part of the community in this way, uh, both, both be able to play and have fun and be with other kids, but also they felt connected to the Redwood City community of parents and the you know, wider community, like they're a part of something bigger than just our family. And it wouldn't have happened, I think, if, unless it was all these adults who volunteered their time. They gave of themselves and they knitted the community in certain ways together. Uh, sometimes, occasionally it happens, it did happen to me when I started being a new parent, I had the thought, what? My parents did this for me? <laughs> My parents, you know, you know, sacrificed this much or gave so much of themselves, you know, for me. That I had no idea that that's how it worked. <laughs> I never thought about it. I just kind of took my parents for granted. I don't have memories of when I was a baby, so I just, you know, I didn't think about it. But I, as a new parent, uh, you know, certainly it was a lot of work, a lot of demands, and you know, up, up all night sometimes with the kids waking up in the middle of the night and feeding and this and that. And when they were, could do, do when they were babies and could do almost nothing of themselves, uh, it just felt for the most part just very natural to give time and effort and all this. And, uh, and I didn't think of myself as being generous, but I, I did feel, you know, when I, when I wasn't too tired, <laughs> uh, it just felt that the light and part of the delight was the way in which uh, uh, I became in a certain, I, I would say, I hope to hopefully healthy way, 
I, my needs became unimportant. And so it didn't matter if, uh, you know, I was sleepy or next day or tired. It didn't matter if I wasn't thinking about, you know, that, you know, the fact that I hadn't showered in three days, that anybody would care. <laughs> the fact that, uh, you know, that uh, I was still in my pajamas at 1 p.m. because there hadn't been any time to do anything else and someone came to the door or something. You know, all these things that maybe ordinarily I would have been self-conscious about or had ideas about or something, they fell away. And in the early period of you know, babyhood, it, it felt really freeing to have this sense of self-concern drop away so fully and completely. And then as the children could do more for themselves, then it felt natural enough and to become more important again. My, my, my situation became something to care for and take care of, and, and that grew over. And now they're not even home anymore, so, you know, it's just, then it's, you know, a whole different story of how to be. And, uh, but without that to kind of, uh, someone giving themselves to babies, uh, babies don't grow up very well. And, but the feeling that there's people there caring, attending to them, is formative, even if they don't remember the, their babyhood. There's all kinds of ways in which if it goes well, they feel safe in this world. They feel belonging in this world that they're not going to feel if they feel, you know, repeatedly abandoned and no one was there to care for them. And so this healthy growth of people depends a lot on, you know, it's something you could almost not pay someone enough to do because it's, uh, maybe, because it's, there has to be this more than just a job. I think it has to be a love a care that's infused in the giving. And so the societies kind of, kind of to a great extent, depend on it. Here in the United States, uh, there's a culture of a non-profit giving. Maybe it arises out of uh, the church, uh, the religious scene here in this country, that uh, uh, where there's a kind of a understood way that of giving to nonprofits, to churches, to causes, all kinds of things that is kind of absent in Europe. And people in Europe uh, are certainly generous, but they don't have the same uh, relationship to organizations like this, partly because maybe the government fills in. The governments there take care of people in a much different way, more extensive way than here in this country. So here, often we have to do it because the government is not filling in or not expected to do certain things. And uh, so, uh, so the society of giving. Many years ago, I, uh, uh, in the early 70s, I read a study, anthropological study of some people's community, tribe or something in the Philippines that lived somewhat uh, removed from modern society. And they were a dream culture. Apparently, one of the central features of their community was uh, focusing on dreams. And they would wake up in the morning and tell their family about their dreams they had. And uh, so dreams were kind of central. But one of the customs they had was that if someone had a a dream, had a bad dream or a dream that where someone in the village, in the town, uh, was somehow the relationship was strained or difficult or there was some kind of t- t- challenge there in the dream 
when they woke up in the morning, they would go give that person in the village a gift. What a phenomenal thing to do. You know, to, I don't know what the unconscious is doing, you know, when it shows a difficult relationship in a dream. But, uh, but that fact that they would respond to that with a gift. Uh, you know, what does that do to this community? How, what does that do about the relationships and how people relate to each other? I recently uh, talked to someone who uh, had a very difficult landlord. It seemed to the landlord was just kind of unreasonable and demands and expectations and all kinds of things. And said, what should I do when I go back to, you know, been away for a while? And I didn't know what to say exactly, except the one thing that is kind of a, the Buddhist thing to say. I said, when you go back, bring a gift for your landlord. And the person was kind of a little bit shocked. <laughs> like, what? This person is so difficult. But yeah, bring a gift. And uh, maybe you know, bake some cookies or buy something or, do you know, before you go. And just bring, bring it and say, you know, I was thinking about you and my retreat and I just wanted to bring you a gift or something. And, uh, and I've known, I've offered this advice to other people who had like difficult in-laws. And, uh, and it, it, it turns out that it's a kind of a leavening, a kind of a tenderizing. Something changes when we bring gifts that sometimes can't happen if we don't. It's people's got, they lower their guard somehow or they soften. There's no guarantee, of course. But uh, the emphasis I want to make here is that giving is a huge part of our lives. And for me, at least, I think I underappreciated it growing up. I didn't understand the extent of it. So then, if giving is kind of in the network of our human connections, uh, one of the features of that is the gift, the gift that's given. And there's many gifts that can be given. There's a, a giving of our time, a giving of our services, giving of material goods, giving of money. There's all these things that are given, given of smiles. Just you know, giving smiles is a wonderful thing to do. And that's a little hard with these masks on. And uh, sometimes I want people to see me smile because I just want them to feel my appreciation, delight in seeing them, being with them. And, and I realize, you know, what a wonderful thing it is to communicate the light and appreciation that's so harder with these masks on. And I don't think there too, I had thought about it too much. I just kind of was smiling and just because I was happy. And, and now I want to be able to, it's almost like a communication that's being gifted or something. What's interesting about uh, the gift in Buddhism, in Indian Buddhism, is that uh, it's one of the, the word for gift and, and for giving is dana, D-A-N-A. And, uh, and some of the ways that the Buddha used the word dana were somewhat equivalent but different from the early Indian idea of sacrifice, which is a different word. It's a yaj, yajna. And, uh, but he kind of used it in the similar ways. And so I'll give you one example. One of the things that uh, in, in the, some of the religions of his time, they would make sacrifices to the gods. That was a big part of the sacrifice was for the gods. And uh, so some of the gods was Brahma, one of the great gods. And, uh, and the Buddha said that uh, your parents and your family, especially your parents, are Brahma. 
So here he's redefining what you know what a god is from some invisible god up in the heavens to people who are tangible in this world, people you know, your parents. They're your Brahma, they're your God. And then he said, give gifts to them. So rather than giving a gift, they're offering the sacrifice to Brahma in heaven, the Buddha's redefining the notion of giving to what's happening in our immediate experienced world, our social world here and now. We might not think that very much of this, but I think in the ancient world there was a big change from where the, the central focus of some people's religious life was all these elaborate rituals of sacrifice for the gods, and the Buddha was changing it where the religious giving was not a sacrifice to invisible gods, but a giving of generously to people who were known and here in, our, in their society. And so the word dana has this religious quality in Buddhism. It's a gift which is somehow carries spirituality in it. And exactly how it carries spirituality, each of us can find out for ourselves. But it's, uh, it, it has a heightened value, the gift of dana. There are other words for giving in Pali, in the early in Buddhist language, than, than dana. But dana is often, uh, like, like the sacrifice were religious in nature, dana also has a religious nature to it. And we see that in some of the lists of things that you can give. Uh, you can give uh, ethics, your virtue. You, you can, like, live, living by the precepts is the gift of, of ethics, of virtue, a gift of safety. You can give uh, uh, your kindness. You can give material goods, possessions. You can give the gift of fearlessness, that uh, people don't fear, have any reason to fear you. And uh, so these different kind of things that you can give are pointing back to some quality that we have inside. And so uh, to give. And then there's, and then, so there's uh, the giving and then there's a the gift. And, and then the, uh, the, the different gifts have different values. And this is where it gets a little bit complicated and often uh, challenging for people in the modern West to appreciate some of the logic that's used in Buddhism for, for valuing, having value on gifts. And part of the idea of the value of gift giving, the gift, where you give a gift, what you give, is because gifts have an impact on the giver. We like to think, I think, often we're kind of, kind of be altruistic. We just give without any concern for ourselves. To have any concern for ourselves, like we benefit from the giving, maybe is selfish. It can be selfish. We have to be on the guard for that, I hope. But self-regard and self-care doesn't have to be selfish. And so uh, one of the things that Buddha talked about was uh, give gifts that bring you joy. Bring gifts that are uplifting that inspire you. And uh, because so that you benefit as well. So the gift just goes in both directions. You're both gifting someone else, but you're benefiting from your own gift. And so it's kind of a gift to yourself as well. So for uh, one of the things he said was, for example, he encouraged people, remember it's the ancient world, 2,500 years in the Bronze Era age. Uh, he said, give with your hands, give directly. 
And, uh, you know, we should stop, you know, please don't stop donating to organizations, you know, online or whatever way you do, for sure. But, uh, but something different happens when we give in person. The, I know someone who uh, liked to, uh, uh, used to, I don't know if it's still the hair, but there's this thing, something called a free cycle. And you would post your things you have available. Someone would come to your home and you would give it to them personally. And the person said, I could go and give it to the goodwill. But then it's impersonal. And when I give it to someone directly who can use it, uh, it just feels so much more inspiring and nicer. And afterwards I feel and remember this thing. Oh, this is a good thing. That's very different than just giving to the goodwill. If, uh, if you give, for example, $10 to someone who clearly seems destitute and challenged in all kinds of ways. And then uh, you find out that the person uses that to buy alcohol. Well, maybe it was still useful because the person felt someone cared for them. And that's a little memory that someone cared and was attentive to them and they weren't abandoned completely. So maybe it had some benefit. But, but then you give $10 to someone else you know, some teenager, for example, who's quite poor, but with that $10, they could buy, uh, you know, maybe they were able to buy, maybe this is the old world now, but uh, paper and pen, so they could write their college essay to get it, apply for college. And with that essay, they got into college, and they came to you and said, you know, later, said, you know, by the way, you, you gave me the $10, what I did with it was bought this paper, bought these pens. I was able to go and just kind of in my free time keep writing and writing that essay with that block of paper. I didn't have any paper at home. This was phenomenal. That I could, and you helped me get into college. Without it, I don't think I would have gotten to college. So there's different value in where we give in, a certain, in terms of our happiness and our inspiration and our delight. I think some people really dislike this idea of putting value like that because then sometimes uh, there's a feeling, well, uh, some poor people don't deserve our gifts. And we should just give the places where it's really wonderful to give. And you see this in some Buddhist cultures in Asia, I saw it, and maybe here too in this country, where some Buddhist centers, uh, temples, were clearly over-the-top wealthy. And people would come with gifts to the temple and on the street, on the sidewalk outside, or this, you know, they're living nearby, are people who are really destitute, really impoverished. And people would just walk right by them and, uh, and give to the temple. Uh, there is value in giving to people who are poor and have the great need. So how do we, how do we see, do we just, how do we decide where to give? How do we decide what gifts to give? is part of the, I think, part of a considered life, a reflective life. I don't think there's any clear and obvious answers to the question, but the Buddha's idea that uh, you give somewhat personally, so it's, you're giving part of yourself in the process, and also that you're giving in a way that inspires you, that brings you delight and joy. He also said, the Buddha said, uh, don't give... Uh, harming others or harming yourself. That's also a very interesting uh, guideline for this. Don't give in a way that harms yourself. Or sometimes you can harm other people through giving. And so this is not a call for, you know, 
some kind of uh, harmful self-sacrifice, just give at all costs, but to do it in a way that you get it, you get the, you benefit from it. Uh, and if you give in a miserly way, you, there's there maybe not so much benefit. But if you give in a generously way, then there's a lot of benefit. And then there's uh, for yourself. And then if you then we go to the third thing today: generosity, giving, gift, and generosity. That. Uh, Generosity, you can give without it really being generous, but it's also possible to give with generosity. And generosity is this beautiful quality where things are given that are not obligated to give. You can give and it's, when it's obligated to give and it's just an obligation, but generosity can never be the obligatory. It's always giving more than is expected and more than is called for and uh, and so it's a kind of opening up to something that's given from us freely a kind of an inspiration a delight a, a opening up a letting go to give in a nice way from a good heart from a good mind a healthy mind a good mind I want to do this this is great this doesn't harm me this maybe benefits the person or brings joy or delight and and it just feels so warm-hearted and delightful to do this thing. Oh, yeah, give. There was a time in, when I was young, where I was younger, when I started to do the practice of generosity and giving, that uh, I kind of would give, and not miserly exactly, but I would give, but I was a little bit tight and closed because I, I didn't feel like I should enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't feel like I should kind of like um, like that I should be somehow if I if I felt kind of all good for doing it that somehow that diminished the giving. But I've learned since then that this is actually the opposite. That uh, the more delight I have in giving, uh, the more it seems like other people can feel it's really given freely and generously. And I've certainly felt it that way. I've I've. Uh, I've uh, uh, received things from people where I felt that, you know, they were kind of, they wanted to do it, but there also was a challenge for them and struggle for them. And then it was a struggle for me to really appreciate it. But then I've got people just kind of, wow, just like, wow, that's so easy for that person. It's like so fully, just clearly offered. And then I have a whole different feeling for it. Oh, that's as good. Then I can enjoy it more and take it in and and so, uh, uh, one of the features of this word dana in Buddhism, that uh, in the Buddhist sense of the word, that it's kind of a religious giving, spiritual giving. Uh, as I said, there's other words in Pali for just all other kinds of giving. But the tendency is for dana to have a spiritual or religious uh, quality to it. And one of the qualities of it is that it's freely given. And maybe that's what generosity means. But uh, it's freely offered, with no, kind of kind of with no expectations of an exchange, but perhaps with an expectation that uh, this is healthy and good for everyone involved, including oneself. That some we benefit from it ourselves, and uh, that somehow it it feeds the good qualities, it nurtures the best qualities of our heart. Uh, you know, to uh, 
to be generous supports generosity in ourselves. And if generosity feels like a warm-hearted kind of offering and opening and letting go, then, uh, uh, you know, we benefit. And we see this a little bit with the, the Pali word for generosity. It, it, uh, it's a, a Pali word is chaga, C-A-G-A. And uh, the uh, first meaning in the dictionary is not generosity, but it's uh, letting go. Or, uh, uh, and then the second definition has to do with generosity. But it makes some sense. When you give something, you're also letting it go. And uh, so rather than calling it letting go, uh, uh, we could use languages like giving up, giving over, because then it has the word giving in it, which since the chaga has both that meaning, renounce to renounce something and being generous. And how this becomes beautiful is that... uh, is that when the letting go, when the giving up, is so freely and, and, and unrestrainedly given that it just feeds a lightness, an openness, a, a, a softness, a warmth a, a, to, over, to ourselves. Like our heart begins to sing because of, in the letting go and the freedom. Letting go is not supposed to diminish us, but to enhance beautiful qualities within there's a story from the, two stories from the ancient Indian tradition of, uh, uh, you know, there's a, in Buddhism traditionally there's all these ideas that you make a lot of merit, make good karma for yourself if you give. And there are these two people who uh, were friends and they wanted to acquire lots of good merit for themselves, build up their store of merit. So they decided, uh, why don't we just give back and forth? <laughs> I'll give you something, and you give it to me, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, when they died, they got reborn as poisoned wells. <laughs> they were just kind of poisoning each other by doing that rather than doing something really good. It's... And then there's a story of a, of a monk who had been given a golden begging bowl. And uh, and he was going to go to sleep one time in a grove of trees, and he noticed a thief was lurking behind the trees, seemingly to wait for him to fall asleep so he can come and pick up the bowl and steal it. So uh, the monk sat up and said, hey, come over here. And he handed him the bowl. Here, this is for you. You can have it. And the guy was so happy. He got the golden bowl. He ran off and, you know, he didn't have to steal it. It was given and then he came back, the next morning he came back into the monk and said, uh, I have never known anyone to give so freely and not be attached to what they have. And you were so open-handed in how you gave it to me and without attachment to this wealth, this thing. How did you manage to do that? And then the thief became the monk's student. And, uh, and then they, ever lived, they lived happily ever after, I guess. And... Uh, so these are fables, but uh, they point to something. And so this monk being able to give so generously uh, was inspiring for the thief. But uh, the, the way that the Buddhism understands the ecology of the heart, of the mind, 
the monk was also benefiting from that. Something was opening and freeing and being supported in the person who was, who, who was giving as well. And one of the ways that this is discussed in the ancient tradition, or in, you know, in Buddhism, is that uh, one of the purposes of giving, when it's done well, generously, maybe in a certain kind of selfless way, uh, is that it beautifies the mind. Isn't so giving that beautifies your mind. So, isn't that great? If you're, it's kind of great if you're kind of selfish, but you realize you can't be selfish, so you give up your selfishness, so you can, <laughs> so that you can give freely, so you can get this benefit of getting a beautiful mind. It's a strange logic, right? But sorry, but uh, this idea that uh, you know that's. Uh, if you give cleanly and openly and freely, it does something for us. And the reason to emphasize that is that it's good to be available for the nur- nurt- nourishment, the support, the benefit that comes internally when we do good things. We, we count. We're important as well. And allowing ourselves to benefit, to grow in the Dharma, to grow in good qualities and skillful qualities, grow in wholesomeness, is one of the great things to do in human life. It's how we can mature as, a, as an adult, as a practitioner. And you mature more if you allow yourself to feel, to be present for the, the benefits, uh, present for how things shift internally in a good direction. So if your generosity is such that uh, you, uh, you know, you, if, you, if you do it miserly, then maybe there's not that warmth and nourishment and wholesomeness inside. But if you give freely and openly, you learn that way, then something inside benefits. And that's kind of, so what makes it spiritual in Buddhism, I propose, is that it's, generosity is offered freely and openly. It's offered wisely with some, some attention to the consequence of giving and who you're giving to and why and where it's inspiring. And it's giving that also supports the growth of wholesome, beneficial, beautiful, qualities of mind, of heart, for yourself and for others. And the protection that provides from selfishness when you're concerned with beautifying your mind is that selfishness is, if I'm allowed to use this, maybe you'll forgive me or you reword it, uh, uglifies the mind. (laughs) You know, it, it, uh, it sullies the mind to be selfish. And so as we kind of get a sense of this beautiful, open clarity, luminosity of the heart, the mind, the warmth, the glow, you'll feel that the selfishness contracts it and clouds it over. And so there's this wonderful way that attending to the beauty of your own inner life supports greater and greater freedom. And so when you're going to sleep in a grove of trees with your golden bowl next to you, 
and someone clearly wants it, maybe it's easy for you to, to let them have it, to give it to them. And one of the gifts of that is that they, um, the person doesn't get the bad karma of stealing. You save them from that karma by giving it first. So, giving, gift, and generosity. The word for generosity also means to let go, to renounce, and it's a very special meaning in Buddhism, very special kind of part of the let it, deep letting go of, of liberation. So finally, I'd like to say that uh, 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 this uh, uh, idea of giving is also a practice in Buddhism. And what that means is that uh, sometimes it's useful to give even when you don't feel like it. Because it begins to uh, be, a, it can be a mirror to understand ourselves better, to understand where we're holding on, where we're afraid, where we're, uh, where we're calculating in all kinds of ways about why we should give and how we should give and you know, all these, you know, and to give where it feels difficult and to stretch in order to learn more about ourselves and to learn what it's like to let go and to trust what we're, what we're doing. So, for example, of a, there's all kinds of ways we can practice, practice generosity. Uh, you can practice generosity driving a car where you always give someone, your practice is no matter what, you always give the other person the right of way. It's a kind of generosity. You never force yourself, even if it seems like you know it's your right or something. But you kind of practice. It could be that uh, you uh, uh, you know you see that the you're in the store and there's the question is in the supermarket which line checkout line do you stand in. And normally you might ca- calculate, you know, where's the one that's going to go fastest and the shortest for me? And then you see one up ahead and you see someone else is heading there too. You're slightly ahead, so you, clearly you can get there first and you get it. What's a generous thing to do? Most people are eager to get through those lines. You, you have it. You, you hold back and let the person have it and find another one. These are simple things to do maybe, but you do it as a practice means you do it so you can study yourself and learn what's going on and stretch something and discover how you're challenged by it and and see is it really necessary what you're holding on to and you're holding on to more than just you know who knows what you're holding on to discover another nice practice is to take i don't know if it wasn't again these things don't work so well anymore our society is changing so much maybe but uh worked better before when uh to carry with you some significant amount of cash when people weren't so, it was much more of a cash economy, I guess. And uh, and uh, I don't know what's a lot of money, but $20 or $50 cash or something. And then uh, have the practice of looking at studying as you go through your days of uh, of someone you can give it to that you don't know. Someone you can give it to that just seems like, okay, this person, I think I'll give it to. And uh, and then see what comes up. 
and maybe you never give it, but the lot came up and you learned a lot about yourself in the process. Or maybe you do, and, and then you learn some things, and maybe you learn that, that well, that was a mistake. But uh, it is a practice to do as well. And, uh, and it's a practice that supports the exploration of the beautiful possibilities of giving, of gift, of beautifying the mind. And the most profound uh, reason in Buddhism to give is to discover how to be free, not to be clinging to anything. So giving, gift and generosity are three topics that are well worth reflecting on, living with, focusing on as part of the wider world of practicing mindfulness. So thank you. And, uh, and then coincidentally, uh, Nancy came up to me before this talk and, and was just mentioned there's an opportunity for some people to do something generous here to, at IMC. And she was going to ask for some volunteers. And do you want to ask? Do you need to use the mic or maybe maybe let, let's get them let's get the mic and that way at least the people online can also hear otherwise they're going to be curious thank you thank you um if i could get five or six people to help i think the battery is low is the green light on um, to help outside to pick up trash and sweep and do a little weeding for like 15 minutes. I think we could get a lot done. So they can meet you just out in the hallway there in that bigger hall? Actually, if you can meet me out um, in the parking lot, just out the back door would be great when you get your shoes on. I also have gloves um, for picking up trash. Great. Thank you all. And... Uh, I wish you all well in the world where we giver and gift and receiver maybe are all interpenetrating each other, all mutual and all kind of disappear in each other. Can we really can we really tell what is the gift, what is the gift and what is the receiver? So thank you.